Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Percy Buns, we, what are we talking about today? I know this is something like you've been feeling a lot lately and you've been having some chats about it with like some others, but we're going to talk all about like beauty and like the science behind it and what does beauty mean to us, but also like, what does it mean to society? Because there's a lot of things that are fucked up in that regard for what like these standards are that society has placed on people. Yeah. And this topic is, like Persa said, something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And I've been trying to figure out why I'm thinking about it so much. And I thought, why not? Let's just talk about it on the pod because I'm sure other people have had some of these same feelings. That being said, I definitely don't want this episode to turn into like a bitch fest about beauty standards and like it's what's on the inside that counts because we all know that's true. And we all know beauty standards are bullshit. And we all know that the idea of what's beautiful is changing in our society right now and with the new generation coming up. Like all that stuff feels obvious. This is more just like a curiosity of like, what the hell is beauty? Like, why does it matter to us so much? Why is there, why are there industries built around it? Why does it take up so much of our mental space without us even realizing it? I mean, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I don't mean to project on y'all, but yeah, we just feel really curious about this topic and like, where did these beauty standards come from? For me, a lot of this was coming up actually from watching the recent season of Love is Blind, which I mean, guys, are you loving the season of Love is Blind? I'm I'm kind of obsessed with it, I have to say. I am too, but I haven't seen the late like the latest episodes because I'm waiting to watch it with my friend. We need to binge it. So I I don't really know like who actually gets married. Like I, I don't know any of that yet. But um I've been okay, obsessed I won't with spoil. this season. I've been obsessed. I won't spoil anything, but please tell me who's your favorite. Okay, well of the entire cast, guys and girls. You okay. have to pick one favorite. Okay. Um, Raven is my favorite girl. You can only pick one favorite out of everyone. Oh, Raven. Oh, okay. That was quick. Do you want me to say why? Sure. Okay. Well. Because she's hot. (laughs) Yeah. Persis gets flustered immediately. Absolutely. Like hands down, Raven's the one I was most drawn to. Just she's generally like my type but I wasn't a fan of her personality in the early episodes but I'm not gonna lie she kind of turned around for me in the latest ones I saw so mind you I have four episodes to catch up on but from there I was like you know what you've kind of grown on me like she gives me a bit of an entitled vibe but 
I really loved the way she handled things with Bartiz when he was like trying to hit on her. But oh, that was amazing. She was great about it and also really respected her current at the time, I guess, obviously relationship with SK. So I just was like proud. And I think I, I liked her more outside of the pods. I have to say I, w- I thought she was kind of funny. Yeah, you're only going to like her more um, with the episodes that you're about to watch. Trust me, she gets even better. Yeah. We love Raven. I think my favorite is probably, I think, Alexis. Oh, oh, Alexa? Oh, sorry. Alexa? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Alexa. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, she must be your favorite. (laughs) I just love her. I think that she's really... I love how confident she is in herself. And actually, this ties back to what we're going to talk about today on this episode because for anyone who's watched Love is Blind, there is one moment at the very, very beginning when you're first meeting Alexa. Are you sure it's Alexa? I swear. Wait. Yeah, it is. Because I remember someone was saying Alexa, and I was like, oh, that must be hard if she owned like an Echo dot. You're you're right. It's Alexa. Okay. Um, Classic S and P. <laughs> me being like, yeah, and you're like, no, I have to Google or vice versa. I always Google me. Too. No, I'm always thinking I'm right. Um, there's a part at the very beginning we're meeting Alexa, and Alexa talks about her weight for like t minus ten seconds. She goes, some. I'm paraphrasing, but she basically says like, you know, sure, I could stand to lose a little weight, but I don't want to. I think I look great. I love myself. I love to eat. And we don't hear about it again. We don't hear about her looks or her weight again from Brennan, her the person she's with, except to say how beautiful she is. Like, obviously, you know, they're they're dating. Like, it just doesn't, it's not part of the conversation from that point on. And I think it's because of how confident she is in herself. And I love it. I just really gravitate towards Alexa. But for anyone who is watching, you'll know that this season, I think more than any other season of the show, has such an emphasis on attractiveness. Like it almost has, it's been throwing me off. And I think that's why this topic came to mind for me. Just we're rating people on a scale of 10. Yeah. It defeats the whole purpose of the show. Yeah. I don't understand what's going on. We're rating people. We're comparing people. And all of it is aimed at the women, not the men. All of the rating and comparing and the self-consciousness and the, wondering if I'm pretty enough, all of it is the women. But none of the girls are being like, oh, which guy is hotter, like comparing the guys. So I think just that kind of triggered something in me. And I personally have just been struggling a little bit with the idea of beauty. And Mm -hmm. I was talking to Persis about it. Um, I've been talking to her about it quite a bit lately. And just this feeling of like, how much value do we put on that for ourselves and for others? And it can really impact your self-esteem if you're not careful and if you're not like aware and if you're not taking steps to really love yourself and be confident in your own skin. Mm -hmm. And just some things have been happening in society that have been triggering this. The love is blind thing that we already talked about. I don't know if y'all saw there was like a scientific, I'm using air quotes, scientific study that rated all all the celebrities to find out who the most beautiful women in the world were. And number one was Jodie Comer, who is a beautiful, white, slender, cis female actress. Um, and I'm I was just, like, Fuck. do we know what make do we know what makes her number one though? Like, because I think I looked at the list and it's like Zendaya was number two, 
Beyonce, Ariana Grande were there too, but it's like, what, what, Jodi's beautiful, but I'm like, how do we like, what is science saying that is making her number one compared to like these other women? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think this whole scientific study is absolute BS. I didn't even look further into it because I didn't want to give it the time of day of like, okay, what makes these women the most beautiful women in the world? But there is actually like, we're going to dive into this. There is some science behind beauty, according to some people. So we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. It's fa- it's fascinating. and And... We did like a bunch of research for this episode and it's really interesting. So we hope you guys find it interesting too. Can I give Sarah? No, let's correct this. Sarah did the <laughs> research. I'm here for the ride. Like Sarah's going to be teaching me. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll frame this as like, I'm teaching you this episode because there was an episode recently where you taught me about the lesbian breakup curse. And I have to say that was a wild ride. It was very fun to just like sit down and have you teach me for the entire episode. Perfect. Well, teach me about beauty. Miss Scientist. I've been teaching you about beauty for 10 years, baby. That's very true. Um, Another thing that triggered this topic was just this feeling I was having like beautiful people succeed in society. They win. They're the winners in our careers, in our social circle, circle, or (laughs) um, in (laughs) in every way. This is obviously not true, but this is just my perception. I see attractive people winning out or just like getting the advantage. And I wonder, do you like, do you ever feel that way? Do you kind of see that reflected back at you sometimes from society? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think if I really like see it in my personal life. I don't even know if it's something I'm really paying attention to, but when I think about it, like in my career or like who I've seen making it like to the top or someone who's getting promoted or getting recognition. I don't know if it's necessarily like I've noticed that so much in like my, the career world, but for me personally, and just like the agencies I've worked at, there's just such a like diverse group of people. I, I can't even pinpoint it, but I have noticed it in like social circles for sure. And like people Mm -hmm. I've been very, like I've had a, like my friend groups, basically, I do notice that it's like, especially growing up in high school, people who were maybe considered like the most attractive in the circle were always getting like the most attention. And they were always like the ones people really paid attention to. And I mean, I think everyone can probably say that. Um, Yeah. It's just kind of definitely a high school stereotype that I think is always true. Yeah. And it was true for it was true for me that I noticed in high school with who who which girls were kind of like getting the most attention and they were generally like very attractive people. Yeah, me too. And I have someone in my life who's an actor and I was talking to them about this, these feelings I was having and they were like, you know, welcome to my life. In my field of work, the more attractive or unique you look, the more roles you book. You literally are more successful because of how you look. We had a really good and heartbreaking conversation about it. And obviously acting is a very specific type of career, but I did some research into attractiveness versus success in general, and there actually is a correlation. So we're going to talk about it. And yeah, I just thought this would be a good episode because, you know, this is a podcast about queerness, but also about like relationships and romantic stuff. 
And beauty plays such a big role in that. And I think it's a big source of where insecurities can come from in relationships. And we're seeing it on Love is Blind. Like what could be a perfectly happy, um, fun relationship is getting soiled because someone might think someone else is more attractive than their partner. And it's just so fascinating that beauty becomes such a big part of our romantic and sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, I, I actually, now that we're talking about all this stuff and things are like coming into my brain, like beauty is like a topic that is like, I think we like have in our subconscious minds. Like, I think we're always probably constantly maybe judging people without even noticing it. Like it's kind of the first thing we maybe notice is someone's looks. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. And it's kind of inevitable because we have eyes and that's part of what we're going to talk about you know, you, you see a person, you're going to acknowledge what they look like in whatever way you're going to acknowledge it. And so it's hard because it's not like we're judging people, but it's just kind of inevitable that we're going to see them and absorb what they look like in some way. Here's another thing I wanted to bring up really quickly, though, just speaking about like the most beautiful woman in the world, which was like the scientific study most recently, I guess, for 2022. That's when they were saying Jodie Comer, Comer. I think it's Comer, but I could be wrong, guys. Correct us if we're wrong. Jodie Comer. That's so she's like a beautiful, like Sarah said, white, slender, cis woman. Um, But recently I watched Bride and Prejudice with Margot. Shout out, Margo. And Margo. Sarah, I don't know if you remember this, but like in 2004, um, Aishwarya Rai was like known as the most beautiful woman in the world. And she's an Indian woman, like born in, Mumbai, I'm pretty sure, Mumbai. Um, but because I'd watched Bride and Prejudice, I went down like a little Aishwarya hole because I was just like having fun, like looking at old interviews and stuff. And these were old interviews, like 2004, 2005. And I noticed with every interview especially in the American Oprah, like Martha Stewart, all that. They were always calling her like the most beautiful in the world, beautiful woman in the world. But there was no talk about really her acting. No pressure. Well, one, no pressure, but they didn't really talk about like too much about her acting. They just kept talking about like her beauty and like her, they kept saying like exotic, like you're so exotic. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) and it just made me laugh because I was like, she's actually like, an actor and yes she was like Miss Universe I think she got her start in modeling first but like there's also that side of it where it's like these people yes they're they're gaining like a, a lot of success I think Aishwarya Rai is like known as the most influential like Indian actor in Bollywood mm-hmm. she's the most, known as the most beautiful actor but I'm like is it just because like her looks like helped her gain these roles but she also does have a lot of talent but then I'm like Maybe are there other people who've also like missed out on roles because maybe they're not dubbed as like as beautiful. It's all such a trip. And I was just thinking about that. It's like a rabbit hole, right? It's so complex, which is why I wanted to talk about this. Cause like we could talk about just Ashwarya Rai forever, like for this entire episode and what, and break down every single piece of what you just said, because it's true. When I was doing the research about whether attractive people succeed in their careers, the flip side of the coin was that for women specifically, being attractive in many industries actually is a bit of a downfall for their career growth because people don't take them seriously if they're too attractive. They're so just a pretty face. There's two sides to the coin. Exactly. 
And, you know, I'm a, I would imagine in careers that are very male dominated, um, that is a big issue. So yeah, there's so many sides to this coin. It's not just like beautiful people get everything. And also it's what it, what does it mean to be beautiful? And that's like the main thing that I kind of wanted to dig into here is like, what is beautiful? What like exactly what is it? And this actually just reminded me, I was having a conversation with a friend recently and I'm going to keep this so anonymous, but Sarah and I both worked at a restaurant at one point and um, the hiring manager, I, I just found out that basically he wasn't even really looking at anyone's like resumes. Apparently he was just looking at like, he was like searching people's names on like Facebook, what do you mean, like, on Facebook? doing oh like Googling God. or whatever. And was just, just, just to see like, are they hot or not basically? Yeah. That makes me feel sick. But also like, what is this person's definition of beauty and hot? Like, and my, my friend and I were discussing this because they had a bit of intel and we, I was just like, that's so wrong. But, I, but it, it probably happens. happens. Yeah. And especially in the service industry, right? Yeah. But let's dive into it. Like, let's just start from the beginning a little bit here and try to figure out like, what actually is beauty? What does it mean for us to deem something beautiful? So the dictionary definition of beauty is a combination of qualities such as shape, color, or form that pleases the aesthetic senses, especially the sight. So that's what Webster says. Basically, that beauty is like a, sens a sensual thing. <laughs> sensual. <laughs> <It's> sensual. <laughs> it's something that we sense, typically with our eyes, but it doesn't only have to be with our eyes, right? We can call a piece of music beautiful or someone you know, we've we've probably all experienced thinking someone's so beautiful. And part of that is like not just how they look, but also maybe how they talk or um, how they move. Like it's like a whole sensorial thing. It's not just a pretty face. Mm -hmm. And so when I read this definition, I was like, okay, if beauty is just about senses, senses are an individual thing. Mm-hmm. My senses are different from yours. So then is beauty subjective or objective? And that seems to be the big question. When I was doing this research, there was a lot of like throughout centuries, people have been asking about beauty. Like this is an age old question. Philosophers have been talking about it for ever, ever, ever. And basically kind of debating this question, is beauty subjective or objective? And I kind of, what I've kind of gathered from my research that I've done is that it's actually both, but I would love mm. to hear your thoughts like once we talk about it. So the argument for it being subjective is the classic thing we've all heard before. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's an experience of pleasure, an individual, personal, sensorial experience. What I find beautiful is going to be different from what you find beautiful because we have different senses. I love this idea and it's definitely something that women try to, like, we really try to keep that top of mind. I mean, everyone does, but women especially because of the standard we're held to. We're always being like, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, because I see you and you're beautiful. But there is an objective side to beauty, apparently. This is what history and 
science, once again, air quote says, some scientific journals believe that beauty is based on symmetry and balance, which is something probably most of you have heard before. Have you heard that before, Persis, like the symmetry thing? Oh, yeah. Someone was saying that apparently like Natalie Portman has one of the most like symmetrical faces or something. I think someone did a study on Natalie Portman and her symmetry. (laughs) So weird. Um, I I remember there's an episode of The Office where the whole episode, they're trying to decide if Hillary Swank is hot or not. Oh, my God. And they, it's the whole episode. It's actually pretty funny. And they do a whole, I think Oscar does like a whole bit with like a projector of how symmetrical her face is. And it's not, you know, this has gone back all the way to the Greeks. The Greeks believed that beauty had three ingredients, symmetry, harmony, and proportion. And so a lot of what this science is talking about isn't necessarily human beauty, but just beauty in the world, beauty in architecture, beauty in nature, you know, things that we find beautiful out there in the world typically have like a symmetry, a harmony or proportion to it, which I think if I think about it as nature and architecture, I understand that. I think that that probably is pleasing to my eye Mm -hmm. and that I could imagine applying that to someone's face, let's say, and if they have a symmetrical face, it must be pleasing to my eye. Right. Which is an objective thing. Yeah, it is. It is. It's general. Yeah. So there's two sides to look at it. And I kind of think that it's okay that beauty can be both things, you know? Of course. I think it's okay too. I mean, before you explain that to me, I think I would only argue it was subjective. Yeah. But there's many things I also don't even realize that's like living in me subconsciously that I totally feel is like pleasing to my eye without me even like paying much attention attention to it or noticing it. Right. And it could be not even just a person. It could be like an aesthetic of a place, things that are, you know, like places with harmony or things that are like placed in certain areas. You know what I mean? I've That's definitely yeah. like a source of beauty too. And yeah, I think there's things that are also objectively beautiful. And people that we could argue are objectively beautiful. I mean, you and I could sit here for hours and talk about how Ashwarya Rai is objectively beautiful. Yeah. But is she? I don't know. Like, it's a complicated question when it comes to humans. But that's what everyone I mean. has different, like, tastes and types, I guess. Because I could say, because I've heard that argument too, where there's so many people that say, like, oh, yeah, like, you've even heard this on TV shows. Like, someone will be like, oh, that person's hot, like objectively, like they're an objectively hot person or beautiful person. But you're like, but but what does that mean? Like, because I've definitely had conversations where I might find a woman, like I, I might think like, let's just say Alexa Demi is like one of the most beautiful people, like in my eyes, but someone might not agree with me. Not that they don't think Alexa's beautiful, but they might be like, oh, well, I think like Zendaya is much more attractive, you know, like that's where it gets a little blurry because I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to humans, I think it leans a bit more subjective, which is so interesting. Yeah. When we talk about elements out there in the world, nature and such, it feels a little bit more objective. But yeah, it's complicated and I think it's both. 
And I do also think it comes down to like how we were raised and the, are the cultures that we're from. Obviously from a young age, we're shown cartoons and movies and all sorts of things that like show us a certain standard of beautiful people or people that are considered beautiful and are also usually considered like the good people, you know, the princesses and all that, the princes. Can I argue um, something though? Please do. Disney be tripping though with the, when Ursula turned into a human in Little Mermaid, <laughs> Ursula as a human was the hottest person I had ever seen in my life. And she was supposed to be evil, but that girl had me in a chokehold. I was like, she <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Ariel, love you, but like human Ursula, different story. <laughs> I'm a little <laughs> triggered considering that I am Ariel. I know. I'm sorry. Ariel's obviously better, but well, I guess that was their whole thing. She was like tricking the prince. So she's like beautiful and like good in quotations. Yeah. Maybe the beautiful person wasn't always the good person because even in like teen dramas that we would watch growing up. There would always be, like, the beautiful girl who's really mean. Yeah, that's true. So maybe that's fake news. Mm -hmm. But we did get, you know, a standard of what beautiful is. But if you look at our culture today in the West, we see beautiful right now typically as a more, like, oh, my God. All I can think about are the newscasters calling Ashwari or Rai exotic right now. We, we, right now, the standard of beauty is like more curvy, more like, um, more like big and bold features and more tan skin, darker skin. Whereas, you know, in Southeast Asia, they still sell beauty products that whiten your skin mm -hmm. um, because they see beauty as lighter skin, more white features. So it, it also depends on the culture you're in and what that culture deems as beautiful. Yeah. And then also just growing up in a heterosexual society, I think beauty becomes such an important thing because in order to attract the opposite sex, you got to be hot. And, you know, attracting the opposite sex equals you've succeeded. You know, you did the thing. You like... That's what you're supposed to do in your life. Oh my Get God. Get married and. Yeah. And beauty is so wrapped up in that. Yeah. And also, oh my gosh. And also, I think like for younger people in high school, that's definitely what I was always thinking. Like, oh, if I had a boyfriend in high school, that like must mean I'm beautiful. Cause like this boy wanted yeah. to date me. I. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. Not to like derail us, but I'm just curious. Growing up, let's talk about high school specifically because high school, I think, is a time when you are wrestling with this idea of like beauty and attractiveness a lot because it's awkward and maybe you're going through a phase, like a growth phase. Oh, yeah. Maybe you've already hit your peak, whatever. What was your experience in relationship with beauty in high school? Were you like feeling good, feeling confident? Did you set, did you, have um, were you self conscious? Did you like second guess yourself a lot? Did you compare yourself to other girls? Mm hmm. Oh my god, all the time. Because especially grade nine and ten, I started to feel much more comfortable with myself in grade eleven and twelve because I started to fill out a little bit more. Um, and I felt like I looked a little. I I already looked really young, but like I I started to look a little bit like older, like 
meaning like my, bo my boobs were filling out a little bit more because I'm already so tiny. So I think before that, I just looked very scrawny and very little and very young. Mm. Um, so when I reached like grade 11, grade 12, and I was like, my braces were off. I learned how to like do my makeup. Like those were things like I associated with beauty, but I had so many insecurities in grade nine and 10 and especially grade nine, because like I said, I think I talked about this on the podcast, but like my, I'm laughing about it now, but I had such a bad reaction with like my braces, like for a while, my lips were like swollen or something. Like it wasn't like a cute look. And of course, oh. like, getting into high school, I was so self-conscious, like comparing myself to all the girls, like I deemed as very beautiful and who looked yeah. like they already had everything together. Whereas I was still like, I felt like I still had a lot more like growing to do or like I was definitely going through some growing pains there. So yeah. Oh my God. I was so insecure. And I probably still was even in grade 11 and 12, right? Like yeah. definitely internally, I was still trying to like look a certain way or the way I would do my makeup. Like I, I would wake up so early for school to like fully get ready every day. Mm -hmm. And do your makeup like the other girls were doing their makeup kind of? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, like Alice was doing her makeup, basically. I think Alice was like the biggest inspo behind that. And I think like, we were also very close, as you guys know. So I think like, she would also do my makeup for me. Like I had a lot of influence there. And I was I was truly like trying to be like her. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I was trying to be like anyone but myself. Yeah. <laughs> anyone but myself. I was like, who is doing good in the social standing in high school? I should like try to be more like them. I should <laughs> try to dress more like them. Blah, 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 blah. And yeah. I don't know if it was as intentional. Looking back, I think in retrospect, I'm, I'm able to see it more. At the time, I think I thought I was like a little bit unique. But I was so insecure too. But and I still have insecurities and I'm still comparing myself to other women. And I think that's why this topic I was like, we have to talk about this because I, I, I'm 28 years old and I really want to shed some of this stuff. And I think I'm carrying it around mm -hmm. from like my feeling like a little bit of a. I don't know, like a little bit of an ugly duckling or something in in high school like pretty much always but then I also am confident in myself but it's more just like putting beauty and attractiveness on a high level of importance mm -hmm. I still do that yeah which isn't necessarily a bad thing we don't want to say that's bad beauty can be amazing and we're going to talk about that later but I, I think it can be damaging when you're starting to compare, when you're starting to feel insecure, when you're starting to doubt yourself and not show up as your authentic self in situations, which I find happens to me still at 28. And I don't yeah. like it. Well, me too. It definitely happens to me too. And I think another example from high school is that like I'm very tiny, right? And like I always wanted to be, if I'm comparing it to Alice, like Alice, I wasn't. I think she's like five five, but she was so much more like looked like a woman in my eyes. Mm. I also had a crush on I'm her. I'm sure she did. Uh -huh. but, but she did. And she I was mean, Ursula. <laughs> she was she was the human Ursula. She literally was a human Ursula. She was. But um aw, but I mean I do have to say, like though, at the time, obviously she was like, we were very close. But 
yeah but i would always try to like <laughs> sarah's smirking <laughs> no we were obviously oh yeah i know you were close yeah mm -hmm. you were definitely close yeah we were and here's another thing i remember because <laughs> we were close lol and we'd like make out and stuff that was another thing i obviously liked her but another part of me felt very like almost like wow she's like choosing me do you know mm. what i mean like i used to have that feeling because i put her on such a pedestal as like a very attractive woman or right. like high schooler because <laughs> she was literally a teen she was literally very attractive 15 year old <laughs> she was literally so weird she's a girl yeah. um but anyway sorry my insecurity too was always like my height and I've, I'm still very tiny now. I'm never going to be like a five foot five human. I'm, I just have to embrace like the fact that I'm always going to be a, a petite person. But that was a big insecurity of mine because at the time I was like, I don't see that as very like desirable for like what my what I saw is beautiful. Like to me, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. so little and so young. Like people are just going to think I'm cute. They're not going to think like, oh, she's you a know woman. a woman and like it, sexy that was such a big insecurity of mine it's so interesting because this is the age-old thing that any woman listening will have experienced before wanting what you don't have when it comes to looks like the classic oh i have straight hair but i wish i had curly hair mm -hmm. or vice versa i have curly hair oh, i would kill for straight hair and same thing, like you were insecure about your height. I always felt like I was too tall, too big, taller than the boys. Like I was too muscular. Like I just wanted to be <laughs> tiny and cute and I'm never going to be tiny and cute. And I have, I have totally embraced that now, but we had, we both wanted the thing the other had. Yeah, no, it's true. That's actually when you think about it. Yeah. But I've like come to accept that that this is just gonna be me so I mean I mean I'm 27 and I'm embracing like all the things that I used to be so insecure about when I was in high school so now I'm like hey this is me like accept it I can't change this is it real. This is me. I'm exactly, exactly where I'm supposed, supposed to, be. to be but I kind of like if it. you woke up one day and you were five five that'd be kind of cool just to like spend one day Five five. It would just be to see what it's like. It, I think it would be very interesting. It would be so trippy to stand next to you and have you be the same height as me. Yeah, you can't even picture it, right? I literally don't know because it already looks like I'm kidnapping you everywhere we go. <laughs> yeah. That would be wild. A little freaky Friday moment. And I could experience being five foot. <laughs> four foot eleven. Four foot eleven. <laughs> Five feet. Just five feet. Evelyn, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. lying when I say five feet. Yeah, she's five feet. <clears throat> but you know what's funny is some of and I'm maybe you feel this too, but some of my biggest insecurities have been what people have told me they liked about me. Like I had a girl oh. tell me I, I literally had a girl tell me she like loved that I was small. She was in not in like well, a creepy yeah. way. We were like making out and she was like, Oh my god, she's like, I love how small you are. Like it's so like I love that. But I was always like, am I like some girl too small? Yeah. 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 But it's, but it's not creepy. And it comes back to the thing of like, ultimately, especially in romantic situations, beauty totally is subjective. Yeah. I, and we see it all the time. I find a guy so attractive and my best friend next to me 
wouldn't even dream of like going near him. And so it's just like beauty is in the eye of the beholder ultimately when it comes to like romance and sex. I, I truly believe that. And yes, some people, sure, they might be objectively attractive. Like I, I'm not going to completely reject that idea because um, I do think there is some sort of like science behind it. Why our eye sees something as pleasing, mm-hmm. but I just, I really do love the idea that your deepest insecurity can be what someone finds most beautiful in you. And I like, can't let go of that. I just think it's so true. It's such like a human truth. It is so true because like, I've had also someone say like, oh, I didn't, I don't like this part about me. Like even like their voice. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, no, but I love your voice. You know what I mean? It's cute. We all, I think we've all experienced having something that we've been insecure about. And then someone's complimented it one day. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my God, this changed my whole life. You never know how far a compliment's going to go. That's yeah. another thing. If you think something in someone is beautiful, tell them because that might be their deepest insecurity. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I was never a big fan of this um, mole that I have over my lip. And this guy in high school was trying to flirt with me. And one of his things that he said about me was that the mole above my lip was so cute and I've never forgotten that comment it totally changed the way I saw that mole oh wow like from that point forward I wasn't insecure about the mole anymore and I kind of hate that it took like a guy complimenting me to get there but whatever I just it made me realize like oh wait that's something kind of unique about my face why don't I just embrace that and I literally have ever since like I've never really even thought about the mole since then right yeah, because it's like something a part of you. Sarah's like showing it off to me now. It's a very like distinct feature. You know what I mean? But like, that's what people will love about your face. That's what makes your face unique. Yeah. Everyone I has like my face. Well, yeah, Sarah's in the study. We're actually going to talk about her because the scientists reached out about Sarah. <laughs> the most beautiful woman in this uh, Zoom conversation. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm gonna... not even the most beautiful person in this Zoom. Yes, you are. Let alone the world. In the Zoom. It's just the two of us. <laughs> the Zoom. I know. I'm trying to I'm trying to flirt with you. Did you not get that? Oh, no. Okay, moving on. So <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to look a little bit into we know like we kind of understand why beauty is like so important in in our society based on like, what we just talked about. But I wanted to see if there was any correlation between attractiveness and success specifically in career, because I just thought it was interesting. And I found this um, study uh, that I thought was kind of cool slash not cool. Um, It was by the Center for Economic Policy, and it happened um, earlier in this century. They wanted to basically look at how attractiveness correlated with career success. So they looked at a sample of 752 economists who all graduated from leading doctoral programs across the U.S. between the years of 2002 and 2006. So a whole bunch of smart-ass people, okay? All heading towards, all kind of in the same bracket, oopsies, all in the same bracket of like um, success, heading into the same careers. Then they took those 752 people, they took their pictures, and they surveyed a few hundred people using the pictures to determine who was the most attractive. So basically, 
all the people looked at these photos and just decide, and said, I think this person's most attractive, this person, this person, this person. They took all of that data, all of that totally subjective data, and they ranked the 752 economists from most attractive to least. Oh. Yeah. I mean, and this was just for the study. Like, I don't think they told the people <laughs> who was at the bottom or whatever. I really hope not. Um, that would be so sad. That would be awful. So not only were the most attractive economists more likely to study at higher ranked PhD programs, but this attractiveness bias was particularly strong for women. So the women who were found most attractive were also the most likely to get into a better PhD program, basically. Um, and they also found that this bias continued after graduation. So the people who were deemed most attractive, they were also more likely to land better first jobs after graduating. And they're also like more likely to have that lead to a 15-year career, like a very successful, lucrative career. And it also translated into success in those careers with attractive economists publishing papers that were cited more than those written by their plain-looking peers, air quotes. So I know that was a lot, but basically this study found that the people who were deemed more attractive by the majority did better in their careers. And all of them are at the same intellectual level, regardless of what they look like. Another study I found, based on whatever their data was, discovered that attractive people earn about 5% more than quote-unquote average-looking people. Wow. Yeah. So I don't want to present this information to make us all feel horrible about ourselves or about our society. I just think it's really interesting and it's kind of this undeniable thing that I'm I'm glad that they're studying it because I think it's something that maybe we should bring some awareness to of like just how ingrained this idea of beauty is in our society, not just in romance, but in it really comes into play in real ways, in like wage gaps and um, career progression and things like that. Now, this is just one study and, you know, it. who knows if it's really how accurate that is across the board, mm. but I just thought it was interesting, upsetting, but super interesting. Wow. My mind is like going in a million directions because it's just like, I'm just thinking about. Like why, you know? Yeah. That's one, one thing that this study didn't necessarily come to a conclusion about was the why yeah what is it about being seen as more attractive I was thinking about this a lot and I was like maybe it's a confidence thing if you have been told in your life that you're attractive or you just feel like you're attractive maybe you have more confidence maybe you're more willing to go for that job maybe you Mm. are just seen as more of a leader Mm -hmm. Um, so then you get the manager role as opposed to the non-manager, you know what I'm saying? Like little things like that. I thought maybe confidence has something to do with it. I think so. I think especially if maybe you feel it because there, I can even see that though. There's many people who I've even come in contact with who are like objectively very attractive, 
but they have a certain air about them where it's like, you know, they have this confidence and I could see how they would succeed in whatever career they're in. Like, there's just something about it. I think it comes down to confidence. Whereas I actually do know some people who feel like, not that they don't think they're beautiful necessarily, but I have some people in my life who I know have a lot of insecurities and like, they're not like those people who've been told like, you know, they're being fed like their ego and they come off as a little bit more shy and introverted. And I don't know. It's just, it's very interesting. Yeah. I don't even have an answer, but it's just something like I've witnessed. No. And I didn't think we'd have, we'd come out of this conversation with an answer, but I just think it's really, it's really good to talk about. Um, because if say it is a confidence thing, right. We've all experienced meeting someone who, it doesn't even matter what they look like. They're exuding a confidence and it makes them more attractive. I think sometimes it's like the chicken or the egg, right? Some people mm-hmm. some people are told their whole life they're attractive and then it, it brings a confidence. Some people are inherently confident in themselves regardless of what they look like and it makes them more attractive. And so, I don't know, I think it comes back to the subjective thing again, you know, like beauty, you can create beauty in like a, in your own way. Mm-hmm. maybe I agree Sometimes, I think so. am I making sense like I don't even know <laughs> I think you can I I, I kind of think you can yeah because I've been like attracted to someone's I always say like energy like I don't even like pay attention to what they look like it's just the way they like enter a room or the way they like they grab people's attention and sometimes you're like I don't know why but they just do and I'll have like my eye on that person not even thinking about what they look like appearance wise yeah, there's it's just something their, about them. A je ne sais quoi. The way they talk. Yeah, it's like the way they talk. It's the way they treat you. It's the way they talk to people, their charm. Yeah, yeah. Which helps in career too, I think, depending on the field. But For sure. And I wonder where that comes from. And I think I, I like that we're talking about this because I think that confidence in yourself to create your own beauty is what I'm trying to seek more of in my life. And I'm hoping that a lot of people listening can relate to that. Just like, it's not about the external, what you're being fed or what you're being told or what attention you're getting. Like, it's about creating beauty, like inside that. Yeah. Your inner (laughs) beauty. (laughs) Who says, who says you're not perfect? Says you're not worth it. Do, 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 do. Only one that's heard it. Trust me. That's the price of beauty. beauty. Who says you're not pretty? <laughs> pretty. Who says you're not beautiful? Who, Who says? Ah, oh, that's the theme song for this episode, y'all. Who says? It actually is theme song. Like, who says? The scientist? you know, your your neighbor, like that classmate, your peers, your coworkers, like who says? Who says? But also, I don't know. I know I already said this earlier, but like if you find someone beautiful, tell them because as much as we're talking about like, you know, creating your own beauty from within and your own confidence from within, like it is really amazing for someone you respect or someone you love or whatever. 
even a stranger to be like, oh, you're so beautiful or whatever. Like that does feel like yeah. you just created a connection with that person. And it just, I, I don't know, maybe this is just me being narcissistic, but it feels good, right? It's not narcissistic. I think it's, of course it feels good. I love, I love telling people they're beautiful. When people tell you that you're beautiful and it feels good, what do you think? Why do you think it feels good? This is the question I'm trying to get at. Are you asking me? Mm-hmm. Like if someone says, you're so beautiful? If I if I was a stranger, I walked up to you, I was like, you are so beautiful. It would feel amazing. Aww. We've established. Yeah. Why would it feel so amazing? Um, coming at me with the hard questions, aren't we? It's a hard question. This is the question I've tried to been... <laughs> this is the question I've been trying to ask myself. Because I think there's a few answers bouncing around in my head. One is the obvious. Well, I want to be seen as beautiful. Mm-hmm. So when someone tells me I'm beautiful, it's like, check. Another one is like, oh, beautiful equals good. Or yeah, be- beautiful equals a good thing um, in society. And so... I think that's what... I think my first thought would be like, I'd be seen as objectively beautiful if a stranger is telling me that. Maybe because they don't like know me. Right. And why does that make you feel good? It makes me feel good because that's what society deems as good or that you're, you're like doing well in life. You know what I mean? Like, right. Society. Interesting. If you're seen as beautiful, I think you know what? I think we live in like a pretty narcissistic world. And for sure, I think a lot of the things we indulge in are like a little narcissistic or like celebrity culture, some of the stuff we see. And I'm not saying it's like, I'm hearing that and I'm narcissistic, but maybe there is a little tendency in there to be like, oh, like I'm seen as attractive. That boosts my ego. And that feels good because I would love to have my ego stroked a little bit. I definitely like that. Yeah. Yes, me too. But it's like a kind of a hard thing to – do you feel like it's a hard thing to admit that a little bit? Yeah. I don't like love to admit it, but I think it's very valid and it exists. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I I feel like a lot of people listening will relate to this. I'm glad we're we're saying it out loud because – it can feel a little icky, yeah, or narcissistic or something. But I think it it's a universal thing that it does feel good to have your ego stroked a little. And to be told you're beautiful makes you feel more beautiful. It makes you walk a little different, talk a little different. I'm generalizing. Not everyone feels this way. But mm. like I do think it is it is something that a lot of people connect on. And I think that's there's something really cool about that. But then also, like, it's not all about beauty. Mm-mm. It's also about – so I, I don't have any answers. It's just – it's nice to hear that, like, we we both feel the same way about that. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. And even, like, the talk shows we were talking about earlier, the scientists talking about Jody in that way, like, this like Jody's ego must be like hello like I was ranked number one like yeah. most beautiful woman in the world 
I could choke. I like, can you would imagine? Choke. I would choke. <laughs> oh, my ego would be through the goddamn roof. And you know what? Maybe she sees it and maybe she isn't even taking it seriously. But regardless of that or not, she is still in 2022 known as the most beautiful woman in the world. Like, she can put that on a resume. <laughs> I would put that at the top of my resume. <laughs> I put it on my Instagram profile, all my dating profiles, 100%. Yeah, it's just so fascinating. So I moved away from the kind of upsetting um, career bias research into something that I think is a bit more relatable um, about our personal relationships with beauty, which is what you and I are talking about right now. Dove completed a study called The Real Truth About Beauty. Dove is the beauty brand. I'm sure most people know what we're talking about. And they found in this study that only about 4% of women worldwide think of themselves as beautiful. 4%. That's not a lot. Now, part of me wonders if the, um, if like trying to be humble or not narcissistic stopped some people from being honest about that response. I do think that maybe a lot of us would find ourselves would say we find ourselves beautiful if we didn't have like the constant thing of like you got to be humble you like you got to you can't flaunt too much you know the classic mm-hmm. thing that women are up against mm-hmm. um so while 4% of women um only 4% of women worldwide think that they're beautiful 72% of women feel pressure to feel beautiful which is not surprising. Mm-hmm. I actually thought it would be higher. Meanwhile, 80% of women agree that every woman has something about her that is beautiful. Yeah. That was my favorite part of the study because this feels so true to me. And I think we've talked about this on the pod before. I genuinely find every woman beautiful. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I, I honestly can't say – we are generalizing so much right now, but I honestly can't say the same thing about men. <laughs> and I, I think it's like an energy thing. I don't know. But there has – I don't think there's ever been like a woman I've seen out in the world or talked to or been whatever who I haven't thought is beautiful in some way. Mm-hmm. And 80% of women agree. I feel that – I honestly do feel the same way as well. And I think for me, a lot of it really comes down to energy. Or if it's like some type of exchange or I really get to know someone, I like, because I see there's other aspects about them that I find beautiful. It's like, comes down to like how they treat someone or how they speak or yeah, like maybe I look at them. Maybe my first thought is, oh yeah, they're so beautiful. But then when I really get to know someone, there's like all these different layers. They're like onions. So there's, there is something about every single human. I definitely agree with you on every single woman. I should say. Yeah. I know I said that thing about men a second ago, but I feel like I kind of take that back. I think I'm going to take that back. Sure. I see I see something beautiful in like everyone. And I've noticed this a lot in my romantic relationships. If I start dating someone and there's something kind of like unique or quirky about their aesthetic or their look, I if I like them and we keep dating I will start to really love that quirk like I'll start to think it's so attractive and so beautiful and I think that's pretty pretty great I think a lot of people can relate to that Mm -hmm. I think we talked about that in um 
in our episode about uh, the science behind falling in love, where we talk about people's quirks and how that could be a sign that you're falling in love. If you start to like the quirks of another person that they might not find like attractive or something, but you'll find it attractive. Yeah. Oh, it's so cute. And then I also found this quote by a philosopher, a famous philosopher um, named Confucius. Um, I think from like way back in the day, I sound so dumb when I'm talking about this stuff. Um, and he <laughs> said of beauty, everything has beauty, but not everyone sees it. Mm-hmm. And Aww. I actually think that after this research and all this Googling I did, that was the thing that felt the most true. Everything has whether, beauty, but not everyone sees it. Yeah. Yeah. And whether like... You know, that is, that is an argument for both subjective and objective, in my opinion. Or maybe, no, take that out. It's just a subjective thing. <laughs> but hey, what what is there a good example that like shows this? Like a Disney movie kind of did this with what? Like Beauty and the Beast? Like, remember yeah. like Beauty was actually falling for the Beast? Like while yeah, he was the Beast. Yeah, because she saw the beauty in him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he turns <laughs> to that sexy man. <laughs> Persis just realizes what the moral of beauty in the okay. beast was. I'm not realizing it now. Like, I've been <laughs> knowing that. But I was just like, I'm, as we're talking about this, I'm like, yeah. He was very cute when he turned into a man i had like a little bit of a thing for the beast even when he was a beast you're telling me right now you would have dated the beast i would have dated the beast yeah well i guess she, he like locked her he pretty much trapped her in the dungeon in the castle oh yeah super problematic yeah it's, she had no choice she was definitely <laughs> just like okay this is my life now <laughs> yeah she's like i guess i better find the beauty in this beast that's for another um, discussion I don't know if I ever uh, admitted this on the pod or if I ever told you, but once when I was a kid, um, there was this musical that my babysitter put on with like all the community kids and it was Beauty and the Beast and I auditioned to be Beauty and I didn't get it. (laughs) Emma, Emma got it. Emma always got like the lead. So the next best thing was the Beast and so I volunteered to play the Beast. Oh, that's so cute that you were the Beast. What was your costume? (laughs) Um, I'm going to try my hardest to find a picture so I can post it on the Instagram for you guys because you will love it. But I wore like purple and blue like cloaks and then they made me, or maybe they just like bought it from the store. Like it looked like the actual beast cartoon from the movie and it was like a mask. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to like slow dance with her and stuff. At one point, I think I like twirl around and I, the robes come off and I become a human again. You become you. <laughs> That's I when she notices like... the beast is a woman. <laughs> you believe the beast is a woman. <laughs> that would be a good like little twist. A little lesbian love story. Yeah, they should make a new one for 2022. You, uh, 2022. you know what vibe you actually give me though off of the from Beauty and the Beast? Wait, can I guess? Of which character you would be? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Is it is it a female character or a male? Male. Oh. 
Lumiere. Yeah, you're so Lumiere. How am I Lumiere? You're so Lumiere. Like, it's not even funny. No, Regina is Lumiere. Regina? No, Regina. Oh, Sanson. Be your guest. Be your guest. Regina is Lumiere, or she's told you she's the the duster. Remember, there's like the really the oh the sexy duster. Yeah, she might be the sexy duster. <laughs> Are you sure on Lumiere vibes? I think I'm more Mrs. Potts. No, you're not. <laughs> oh, oh no. I know, I know, I'm Chip. No, you're not Chip. Chip's a little too like you have a bigger personality than Chip. Chip is like the person that doesn't have much of a personality and is just cute. Yeah, you're right. I have more personality than that. That's why you're so yeah, like I, you know, funny. I think I am just the beast. Maybe a little bit like heartbroken and <laughs> trapped in your dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Who would I be? You would be, um, I think you would actually be Lumiere, and then Regina would be the sexy feather duster, and you guys would just like waltz into the, into the horizon. Oh, I totally forgot about Gaston and the, the little sidekick. Oh, you might be the sidekick. <laughs> but he's like so awful. No, the sidekick's not awful. Well, does he get better? Well, He's kind of mean. You know who? You know who we'd both be. Let's just be honest. The girls who are like, no one fights like Gaston. No one be no no no. Or just like in love with Gaston. I would not be in love with Gaston. I'd be in love with Belle. <gasps> we would just be like two random townspeople. We wouldn't even have names. <laughs> but you would have a crush on um, Belle, and I would have a crush on the Beast. Perfect. Done. Oh my god, Belle was cute. Belle was cute. She was very, very, very beautiful. So Sarah, tell me about the beauty of beauty. Why yes. is beauty important? <laughs> Why do we care? Why is this our episode? <laughs> oh my god, I don't even know how to answer. I feel like this episode has been such a mishmash, so I hope that you guys got something out of it. I do think at the end of the day that there is something beautiful in beauty, and I found this New York Times article that was awesome and I'll link it in the show notes so that everyone can read it if they want to but they basically interviewed a bunch of like random authors artists designers chefs actors just like people who have opinions and asked why is beauty important and there were some really great answers including a beautiful excerpt by Mr. Um, Andre Osman, who, as you all will know, if you listen to this podcast, is the author of Call Me By Your Name, which is my favorite movie and one of my favorite books. I want to read a few of the excerpts from the article to finish off our episode because I think that they're just like really beautiful ways to kind of sum everything up. I'm not going to read Andre's. It's beautiful, but it didn't fit the bill for this episode. So go read it on your own time, guys, because you'll like it. I just felt like these were a good way to acknowledge that even though we can get kind of frustrated with beauty standards and how much beauty can damage people, it can also be a really beautiful thing if we change the way we frame it in our minds. So here's how these people framed it. The first excerpt is from two fashion designers 
named Lazaro Hernandez and Jack McCullough. I've never heard of them before. Have you? Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah, I never heard of them, but they had this to say about why beauty is important. They said, we crave what we consider beautiful, and that craving can easily develop into desire, which in turn becomes the fuel that propels us into action. Beauty has the power to spawn aspiration and passion, thus becoming the impetus to achieve our dreams. I thought that was really interesting. They said, in our professional lives as fashion designers, we often deal with beauty as a physical manifestation. But beauty can also be an emotional, creative, and deeply spiritual force. Its very essence is polymorphic. It can take on limitless shapes, allowing us to define it by what makes the most sense to us, to us individually, going back to that subjective thing we were talking about. We are extremely fortunate to be living at a time when so many examples of beauty are being celebrated and honored, and more inclusive and diverse standards are being set regardless of race, gender, sexuality, or creed. Individuality is beautiful. Choice is beautiful. Freedom is beautiful. Beauty will always have the power to inspire us. It is that enigmatic, unknowable muse that keeps you striving to be better, to do better, to push harder. And by that definition, what we all need most in today's world is perhaps simply more beauty. I love the way that was said. Me too. And the first paragraph really got me like, and I mean, they're fashion designers. So obviously this idea of beauty is on their minds all the time. But thinking of beauty as a thing that can like make us take action, make us feel passionate about something, like make us want more, make us do more. Like I've never really thought about beauty in that way, but it's really, I think it's really true. I think so too. I, I always feel like when I am working on myself and working on like my, my body, making sure I'm staying healthy. I mean, a part of that is making me like want to feel good on the outside, but I also want to like present as like beautiful and not in like a superficial way. It's to me, it's just about what makes me like I think subjectively speaking like when I feel good or like I'm doing the work to push myself and like make sure I'm taking care of myself so when I heard that I was like yeah it it does the idea of beauty like does make me strive to like be better totally you know and and even just thinking about like stories you hear of someone seeing someone in a bar and thinking they're so beautiful and daring to imagine you know, a future with them in that moment, you know, daring to go up to them and say hi and start a conversation and like to take action and talk to a stranger because you think they're beautiful. Even like that type of manifestation of beauty is a really, yeah, beautiful thing that is something to celebrate. I agree. And it's also like fun. Yeah, so fun. It's like a little thrill. Yeah. And it's not just human beauty like a beautiful i think Apartment. about this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like people who love to hike they climb to the top of that mountain because they are they want to see the beautiful view obviously there's a bunch of other stuff they want to feel like the satisfaction of a job well done blah 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 but like the beauty Uh, like they're literally climbing towards that beauty Mm -hmm. and there's so many different ways to look at it and I love the way they framed it um and then there was another excerpt that I really liked by Constance Wu who if you guys don't know who that is she is an Asian actor 
um, best known for Crazy Rich Asians and Hustlers. She actually just was a guest on Armchair Expert, which as you all know is one of my favorite podcasts. And it was a really cool episode because she got kind of like canceled for a while because of some tweets she sent and she talks about it really openly and she talks about a bunch of other stuff. It's a very vulnerable episode. But she was asked for this New York Times article, Why is Beauty Important? And this is what she said. The purpose of sex is procreation, a straight cisgender man once told me, trying to defend his homophobia. So that proves that homosexuality is scientifically and biologically wrong. It serves no purpose. I was quiet for a moment. Huh, I said. So what's the science behind blowjobs? <laughs> and that shut him up real quick. <laughs> yes. Constance. I was like, great comeback. Then she says, I often hear arguments that reduce human existence to a biological function, as if survival or productivity were our sole purpose, and the bottom line our final word. That is an attractive stance to take because it requires the least amount of energy or imagination. So true. And for most animals, it's the only option. The hummingbird sipping nectar is merely satisfying her hunger. She does not know her own beauty. She doesn't have the capacity to perceive it. But we do. We enjoy art, music, poetry. We build bird feeders. We plant flowers. Only humans can seek out and express beauty. Why would we have this unique ability if we weren't meant to use it? Even quarks, those fundamental parts of the core of life, were originally named after beauty and truth. I don't know what quarks are, but I'm going to look that up later. Yeah, me too. I don't know what that is. <laughs> and then to end off, Constance says, that's why beauty matters to me. When we find beauty in something, we are making the fullest use of our biological capacities. Another way of putting it, when we become aware of life's beauty, that's when we are most alive. Oh, once again, I love how she worded this and how she's even saying like, it's actually kind of like a, it's only a human experience. Unless we talk to an animal, like, should you ask Olivia, do you think I'm beautiful? <laughs> Oh, Olivia definitely does not think I'm beautiful. I am like a walking treat, like cat treat. <laughs> so she wants <laughs> to eat you. <laughs> Probably. Probably. She, sometimes she nibbles. She nibbles every now and then. But it's, I never thought of it like that either. Like these are so insightful. Yeah. I, this idea that like as humans, we have a, we have a, neurological capacity that is so different from other animals and we can see beauty in all sorts of things and that should be celebrated and that should be something that we seek out in life because it reminds us that we're human it reminds us that we're alive and that we're breathing and I really related to that I feel like in my life the times when I felt most alive are when I'm just recognizing how beautiful something was or someone is or like how beautiful an experience was and how grateful I am for it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's many like different facets of beauty. Yeah. And I just thought this would be a nice way to end the conversation. Just that there's a lot of beauty in beauty. There's a lot of ways to look at it. Mm -hmm. There are a thousand different sides of this conversation and some of it I really like and some of it I really don't like but this felt like a little bit of a therapy session I just felt like I needed to to talk to you guys all about yeah. how I've been feeling and how I'm working through like 
celebrating beauty and also at the same time not putting so much value in it either like physical beauty you know putting that a little bit lower on my like needs in life or or what's taking up all of my mental energy Mm -hmm. and that's a really like kind of shitty thing to admit but it feels good to be like vulnerable about it yeah no and thank you for being vulnerable about it and thank you for teaching me I think we should talk about this more because I mean, there's a lot of things as we were reading through this that I know I like struggle with as well, or also where I place like the importance of beauty and just like what I think is important in life. And I've definitely caught myself being like, oh, it's quite high up there. Like whether it's on me or if it's how I view other people or even what I'm like attracted to when I like look for Mm -hmm. a, a certain partner and stuff like And all that's okay to admit, like, I'm not afraid to admit that in fear of someone thinking like, I'm being superficial, or I'm not being, because it's not coming in a malicious way. I just think that's how, you know, that's just how I am, or like how I've been. And how you've been conditioned. Conditioned, right? Exactly. Yeah, I think it's totally normal. And the more we talk about it, the more normal it feels. Exactly. What was the number one thing you learned from this little lesson of mine? Oh, from my teacher, Sarah. Yeah. You're such a teacher's pet. I. <laughs> oh my God, I am a teacher's pet. I left an apple on your desk. Baby, I... where'd it go? I'm... I don't see it anywhere. I only see some mini eggs. <laughs> oh, that's right. I actually bought apples. I bought apples today. Um, ASMR. Yeah. I don't like that though. Crinkle. Oh, sorry. It's a quick go. <laughs> Quinkle. No quinkles. I think the um actually the big takeaway I I actually got from this is that I didn't realize how much like when you actually see the stats, like that people who are deemed to be more attractive actually like seem to earn more than others. Or like they really do succeed. Like I think I've thought about it like yes, a little bit, especially in like the industry, like an acting industry or the entertainment industry. Or in the music industry, like there's always a certain look like certain singers need to have in order to like be successful because they might be more appealing to like the audience. Like there's so much stuff, right? But um, I think even just in our regular world, that's not even the entertainment industry. Like I'm thinking like corporate world. That's just some stuff I definitely learned that I haven't really paid much attention to. Yeah. And once again, I just want to reiterate, like that was one study and it might not be based in any truth at all. But it's definitely interesting to talk about. And maybe it's something to be aware of in your workplace or when you're thinking about your career or looking around at your your peers and your colleagues. Like, is attractiveness playing a role? I, I think this is a topic that we could, like, dive deep into, like, a rabbit hole with and we're not going to have the answers. But I think we can all continue to, like, learn about beauty and what it me- what it means to be beautiful or, like, what we deem as beautiful and um I think just like not be so hard on ourselves as well I think that's a big one because like this this percentage of like 72 percent of women I think that was feel the pressure or feel pressure to be beautiful yeah but I think even the more important stat is that 80 percent of women feel that there's something beautiful in every single woman And so I would say from my perspective, like if you're going to take away one thing from this episode, it's that people see such beauty in you and you might not know it 
or maybe they haven't told you yet, but it's it's absolutely 100% fact that they do. It could be even strangers walking down the street and that the most important thing is to think about like what beauty means to you personally and really sit with that. And that's what I've been trying to do and like journal on it and think on it and like what does beauty mean to me? What type of beauty do I want to celebrate? And how can I make myself feel more beautiful despite of all the external factors in the world mm-hmm. in like a healthy celebratory way? Those yeah. are really hard questions, but that's what I've been working on and what I'm going to continue to take away from this. Me too. Me too. I'm going to sit with that for a little bit, even journal a little bit more about what it means to me and what I want to do for myself just to be taking care of myself. Yeah. But also, Persis, you're beautiful. Sarah, you're beautiful. You're so beautiful. We're both beautiful. That's for sure. You're beautiful. That's for sure. Oh, I've been really into Nelly lately. Canadian icon. We love you, Nelly. Come on the <laughs> podcast. Do and it. in conclusion, Nelly Furtado, <laughs> we want you on the pod, baby, because you're beautiful. Because you're beautiful. Sarah, thank you for teaching me this. And we hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. And if you have any more questions, like we're happy to answer to the best of our ability. Like Sarah and I said, it's this is an interesting episode because I feel like there isn't like an answer to any of this. I think it's just we're all like learning so much about what beauty means to the world. And there's a lot of different aspects to it. We're going to keep learning. The idea of beauty is going to keep changing. So come along for the ride with us. And you're welcome, Persis, anytime. It's fun to teach. Maybe I should be a teacher. Yeah, I think you should. You'd be a good teacher. Mrs. Johnson. Miss Johnson. Miss Johnson. Miss Johnson for now. I'd have so many apples on my desk. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, that's a little creepy. Ew, take that out. Just <laughs> honestly, Just splice and dice me at this point. (laughs) Okay, love you. I love you. (laughs) Time for in case you missed it. So this is, this news did happen a while ago, but I really wanted to bring this up on the pod and Sarah, I know you wanted to talk about this as well because it's actually kind of sad. Very sad. Yeah. Um, so Kit Connor, I don't know if you guys know who this actor is, but he is one of the young British stars of Netflix's Heartstopper, um, which was the cutest, cutest show. Sarah, I think you watched it as well, right? I actually still haven't watched Heartstopper. Guys, don't at me, but I promise I will. Yeah, please do because you will love it. And it's like a very easy, like binge-worthy show. But kit actually came out as bisexual sometime in october i think it was towards the end of the month so he came out as bi after he was accused of queer baiting fans of the lgbtq show so kit actually wrote on his twitter he wrote back for a minute because i think he deleted twitter for a little bit he said i'm bi congrats for forcing an 18 year old to out himself i think some of you missed the point of the show bye yeah he he was not happy Not at all. 
there were like photos and such at like London's Pride Parade where Kit and the other Heartstopper castmates wore rainbow apparel and they danced in front of all of like the anti-LGBTQ protesters. And I think around that time, I think many people were saying like he was queer baiting, um, mm. which is like... It's not the move. And um, can I just ask you really quick? Did he play a queer character on the show? Yes. Okay. But in the show, uh, they don't actually say what his sexuality is. Um, I don't think this is going to ruin anything for you because I basically just said like, yeah, like you'll figure out he's like queer. Or he's like under that umbrella. But mm-hmm. um, I'm 99% sure from what I remember in the show, I think. His co-star, Joe Locke, who's the one he has, like, a romantic relationship with in the show, I think it's, like, his first experience with a boy. Okay, got it. So we don't really know what his character's, like, sexuality is, but you just know he's, like, experiencing this for the first time with Joe. I'm 99% sure. Anyway, so Kit had actually previously spoken about the pressure that he and Joe Locke had been under to publicly discuss their sexuality. So instead, Kit has said he preferred to not use any labels. This is what he said, we're still all so young. To start sort of speculating about our sexualities and maybe pressuring us to come out when we're not, when maybe we're not ready. Oh, so yeah, he's basically saying we're so young and to start speculating like our sexualities just isn't right. And like, clearly he's right. Like maybe they aren't ready. He was also on a podcast with Josh Smith. Um, He said, for me, I just feel perfectly confident and comfortable with my sexuality But I don't feel the need to really, you know, I'm not too big on labels and things like that. I'm not massive about that. I don't feel like I need to label myself, especially not publicly. It feels a bit strange to make assumptions about a person's sexuality just based on hearing their voice or seeing their appearance. I feel like that's a very interesting, slightly problematic sort of assumption to make. Agreed. So this was like back earlier, he was saying... I'm comfortable in my sexuality, but I don't feel the need to label it. And then he played a queer character on a TV show and then with the cast members wore rainbow apparel at the Pride Parade. And then people said that he was queer baiting. Yeah, um... Because the show, I feel like the show came out, like, earlier this year. So, of course, like, after the show came out, I think a lot of people were speculating, like, oh, is Kit Connor in the community after he played a queer character? And I think because he doesn't, he wasn't, which he doesn't have to, he was just saying, oh, like, I don't care about labels, blah, blah, blah. People were saying it was queer baiting, which is so annoying because, like, the amount of times we've talked about how you do not need to label yourself. I saw something that said that, like, a big part of why people were accusing him of queerbaiting was because he had either been with, like, had a girlfriend or was currently with a girl or something like that, which is obviously, like, super problematic to call it just because someone's dating someone of the opposite sex or did once to then call them out of, like, oh, you must be straight then. And I think all of this is part of why he was so frustrated and and very vocally upset in his tweet. Was it a tweet? Yeah, he tweeted it. That's like not ce- like we're not celebrating this. This is like upsetting. He didn't want to do that. 
Yeah. And I, I think we've talked about queer baiting a bit on the show and we, we talked about how complex it can be. And I think that although we do, we don't want queer baiting to be happening. It is also like a tricky, tricky subject. It, and you can't just throw it around and potentially ruin someone's reputation or career, which clearly is what happened, right? He was getting a bunch of backlash. And then I'm sure he had to sit down with his publicist and his team and his management and be like, well, what do I do? And the only thing I can mm-hmm. do is to come out before I'm ready to, right? Mm-hmm. Because what else am I supposed to do? It's going to ruin my – I'm 18 years old. I have a big career ahead of me, hopefully. Yeah. But it's going to taint me if I don't, like, tell them I'm not queer baiting because I am queer. Yeah. That's such a, such a hard position to be in. I would probably do the same thing and, and be just as mad. But even if he wasn't queer, what is he doing that's queer baiting? Oh, I – From my perspective – yeah, I agree. He's If he wasn't queer, he's playing a queer character, which is more than okay. And what we saw, he's going to London's Pride Parade and wearing rainbow. He could be an ally. I totally agree. There's just a lot of assumptions happening, which is frustrating. And we want queer actors to be playing queer characters. So that's a layer of it. But I think like... That's the thing about cancel culture is like, it doesn't matter once something is said, like once something is out there and it's spreading, like it almost doesn't even matter if it's accurate or if it's legitimate or if it makes any sense at all, like it can still ruin a career and a reputation. Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah. And so to avoid it, you like, you got to do anything you can do. And he's 18, he's so young. And he already said he didn't want to label it. Yeah, his point is so correct. He's like, we're still so young. Like, to start speculating this is just not right. Clearly, he wasn't ready. So he's not ready. Let him Let him be. I couldn't even imagine. God, when I was 18. I have been thinking about this a little bit because I've been seeing a bunch of stuff floating around about Harry Styles queer baiting. Um, and I know this has been a conversation for a long time, but I've been seeing it a little bit more lately, especially with his movie, The Policeman, that came out not too long ago, where he plays like a man who is in a, like a secret affair with another man. And I haven't looked that far into this, so like I'm not really qualified to be speaking about it, but I think I'm missing something. Like if he identifies as queer, if he identifies as being in the community, which he has said before, right? I know Harry has said he's fluid. Yeah, then then how is he queer baiting? I don't know. I maybe I need to look into it more, but but it's because society still has a really tough time wrapping their heads around someone being fluid when they're in a straight passing relationship. Yeah, that seems to be what it is and that he's been in high profile straight relationships before publicly. Like, we don't know what he's doing. Like, this is what bugs me about, like, society and people who think they know everyone's lives. Whatever, like, your partner doesn't define your sexuality. So if Harry has been in these public relationships with primarily women, but still says he's fluid, he's fluid. Like, but people just cannot, like, 
believe the person or they'll say they say that about like so many people if you've been in like a hetero passing relationship like it they won't really believe you if you say you're queer yeah because they haven't seen anything but what i'm like that's not your business of course not especially for someone in the public eye but what's been confusing me with the harry stuff is that i'm seeing like prominent queer media outlets publishing articles about saying that harry's queer baiting and i I would need to find them and maybe it's another in case you missed it we can do or another episode topic we can do. But I've been kind of seeing that just like in our feed and stuff here and there. And it's not like, you know, the random person on Twitter. It is like the the outlet that we go to often to get our queer news or to hear um, queer opinions from queer people. So maybe I'll look into it a little bit more because that's been the most confusing thing for me. I know there's going to be people, yeah, on Twitter and shit being like, blah, 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 blah. But this is like some people in the queer community are feeling some type of way about it. So, Oh, I'd be interested to look into into that too because I have no idea. Yeah, it just seems to me like if someone identifies as queer in any way – then how can they be queer baiting? And yeah, and I've... maybe there's a whole bunch we're not that we don't know and that we haven't. Yeah, like you know we're uh, we're kind of speaking about the hairy thing just off the cuff, but maybe we'll yeah. look into it and we'll get back to you guys. Yeah, or if anyone has any insight, just let us know. Yeah, but this Kit Connor thing just seems like a total misunderstanding by the masses, and now an eighteen year old has had to basically got outed Mm -hmm. he did get outed yeah for sure publicly it's kind of like when when lauren haregi um also got outed as well she was kind of forced to come out when she wasn't ready to because her fans were pulling up pictures of her and her girlfriend and posting them and she was like okay well i guess i need to come out now and she wasn't ready at the time she had a lot of family that at the time i think she said was not supportive so that's why it was very hush hush guys don't out anyone. Just leave everyone be. Leave them alone. Let everyone come to whatever they need to come to at whenever is the right time for them. And let's not throw queer baiting around like it ain't no big deal. Because it is a big deal. Yeah. It is. And let's really stop and think about what is queer baiting, what's actually causing damage, and what actually is just, like you said, allyship and or maybe the person is queer like Mm -hmm. did y'all ever think to ask oh wait people already did and he already said he didn't want to label it so it's just just yep i know it's a cruel world sarah it's a cruel world (laughs) but thank you for um (laughs) sharing this in case you missed it with me i guess it was both of us but yeah well go watch heartstopper now that's your assignment i will i think you'll love it it's very sweet i will and then i'll report back to you all